the Ortho PAC hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome back listeners. Today's episode is one that I decided to record after my meeting in Atlanta at the NCCPA Represent Summit. I met Ashley Reesey there, who is a PA. Ashley's practice is palliative care, and it's not uncommon that she provides care for patients who have orthopedic issues, frequently a hip fracture. So I wanted to bring her on to talk about this. It's something that we don't talk about a lot in clinical practice, but I'd, I'd like to pick her brain a little bit about what she does and how she cares for patients at the end of their life. Ashley, thanks for coming on the Ortho PAC. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. I've been working in palliative care for the past three years in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm really excited to share my passion for palliative care with all of you. In palliative care, we provide specialized medical treatment to patients who are living with a serious illness. And yes, I said living because not all of our patients are dying. Our team, which includes one palliative care physician, two advanced practice providers, and one social worker, focuses on providing symptom relief, improving quality of life, and providing support to patients and their families. Most of our patients have advanced COPD or heart failure, metastatic cancer, or dementia. So you might be thinking, how does this fit in with orthopedics? Think of it as providing specialized care to patients with a serious injury, like a hip fracture. We support patient emotions, provide care that aligns with their values and the best quality of life. Sometimes that is symptom management with pain medication, and sometimes that's surgery. I wanted to spend more time talking about hip fractures. In preparing for this, I read about very high mortality in hip fractures, and a lot of times it's dependent on comorbidities and the time of surgery or no surgery. When you receive a consult to care for a patient who has a hip fracture, what's your experience with managing the patient? I mean, are they usually ambulatory? Do you have PTOT? I think there are a lot of comorbidities with these patients. So tell us your experience, please, with orthopedic stuff and primarily hip fractures and, and how that works. Usually when we see patients with hip fractures, they're pretty frail, and a lot of them also have dementia. Usually before they fracture their hip, they're at least somewhat ambulatory. Before we meet the patient, we like to collaborate with the orthopedic team to see if surgery is an option, what type of surgery they would recommend, and what the goal of surgery would be. When we meet with patients and their families, uh, and sometimes it's just meeting with the family in a family meeting room if the patient can't make their own decisions. We ask what the patient's baseline and quality of life was like prior to their fracture. We explore what's important to them, what conversations they have had about their healthcare wishes in the past, and what living looks like for them. All of these things are very individual and help guide next steps to provide patients with value-centered care. When you get bad news, it's one thing to hear you have a hip fracture. It's another thing to hear, you know, you got cancer or something's inoperable. So how do you go about that? How do you tell somebody this kind of awful, horrible news that, you know, they're at the end of their life? How does that work? I Assuming somebody doesn't have dementia and they, they can understand what you're saying, how do you do that? How do you go about it? I mean, I've had to tell people a few times in my career that I found cancer and it's always tough. It's tough for me. It's tough for them. 
but you're kind of at the end stage. You're at the end game. So, so how do you go about that? How do you tell patients and their families that bad news? That's a really good question. And unfortunately, it's not something we get a lot of training on either in PA school or clinically, unless you're working in a palliative specialty. But when we are giving bad news, the first thing we use is a headline. And that's really just a short statement that's easy for patients to understand. And that's something like, we're worried that your cancer has progressed, or we're worried that time is short. And we know that this is a very difficult and emotional time for patients and families. So we want to support them and provide empathy in that moment and just really be with them. We do have nurse empathy statements that we use. And these statements are really helpful, just both clinically and outside of your professional life. And NURSE stands for name the emotion, use an understand statement, respect statement, support statement, or explore statement. So these are saying things like, it's normal to feel sad about this, or I can't imagine how difficult this is. Um, to a caregiver or a family member, you might say something like, I can see how much you love her, or we've done such a great job caring for them. We want to support them and let them know that our team is here to guide them through this. And sometimes we explore, you know, what's the most difficult part for all of this. Supporting their emotions is so important. They can't hear cognitive information if they're overwhelmed with emotion after hearing their bad news. But once we recognize and validate their emotions, they're going to be able to ask the right questions and make informed decisions. The nurse statement, that's just kind of a, a guideline, like a template that you would use. Is that correct? Just kind of trying to make sure that you cover the, the bases when you're talking to somebody? Yeah, you know, we use those in any scenario where we're providing empathy. And I honestly, I use them outside of work as well. And how does that work? If it's a coworker, a friend, or a loved one going through a difficult time, I'll find myself just instinctively using a nurse empathy statement. And then I'll kind of just think to myself, oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, using palliative care in my everyday life. Uh-huh. You said something about don't use that on you. They're trying to palliate you, right? <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Like if a coworker, if I'm talking about something that's tough on me or a difficult time that I'm going through, I'll notice a coworker using a nurse statement. I'm like, oh, my gosh, don't try to palliate me. <laughs> I understand. Well, let me ask you this. You had mentioned the team and the orthopedic team and, and the other members of the team. Can you share with us a little bit about, I read about multidisciplinary approaches, and I know there's a lot of people that are involved in care of somebody. So if we go back to our orthopedic patient with a hip fracture who has dementia and other comorbidities, can you tell us a little bit about the team that would take care of this patient in palliative medicine? Palliative, we're a consultant team in the hospital, the same as if a patient has an arrhythmia, they're going to see the cardiologist. The physician or the APPs will evaluate the patient, assist with managing any symptoms, whether that's pain from their hip fracture, constipation, if they're nauseous from the medications that they're getting, we can help with that as well. And then our social worker really helps to support the patients and families going through a difficult time. Whether the patient decides to move forward with surgery or without surgery, we're really there to support them through that and help guide them to that recommendation based off of what's most important to them. Is most of the counseling and stuff, is that done by the social worker and you, or do you have psychologists or psychiatrists that come in? And I'm sure there's some PT and OT that gets involved. 
what other members of the team? I mean, is there a, a chaplain service? I forget what they call that in the hospital. I mean, yeah. is all, all of that part of the, the program? We do have a chaplain to provide spiritual support for patients. You know, emotional support, that can really be from anyone on our palliative team or our chaplain. They can do physical and occupational therapy if cleared by the orthopedic team. Certainly, we don't want to do anything that could worsen their fracture, especially if they haven't had surgery. If patients don't have surgery, typically it's because they are really frail and because of the high mortality rate and they really just want to focus on comfort. Sometimes our ortho team will clear them to go from bed to chair, and that's really what their physical therapy would be, or just to maintain some aspect of independence and self-care with eating and brushing their teeth, things like that, that they could do in bed. What about medical management? How, how do you medically manage somebody in palliative care who has dementia and has trouble verbalizing their pain? How do you manage that? That's got to be tough. It is tough if they can't verbalize it. Um, families are always really helpful because they know their loved ones best and they know their signs of pain better than we do. We can look at nonverbal signs, if they're grimacing, what their heart rate is, if they're yelling out, we can kind of think, hey, maybe they're having pain and we need to treat this. I know a lot of people are worried about delirium with giving pain medication. And the best thing we can do really is just educate families about that and say, I'm worried that if we don't give them pain medicine, that they're going to suffer. And a lot of times families will want to have that option of pain medicine for their comfort. Sure. I mean, that's very important. What about the cancer diagnosis, the bone cancers? I'm, I'm sure most of those are metastatic and mm -hmm. I'm sure there are probably some primary, but I bet a lot of them are metastatic. How do you manage those folks? I mean, let's say it's breast, metastatic, prostate, multiple myeloma. How, how do you manage these folks? Do you get oncology involved? And then if somebody's on hospice, does that mean they can't have surgery or can't have radiation? How does all that work? For our patients with metastatic cancer, usually it's the oncologist that gets our team involved because they want help with controlling their pain. So we see them primarily for pain management. With this patient population, we are following them throughout their hospitalizations as well as outpatient. They'll come to the outpatient palliative care clinic so that we can adjust medications as their pain increases or decreases and also manage other symptoms like constipation with the pain medicine, nausea with their chemo. Sometimes patients need something for depression and we can help with medication for depression as well. Someone is getting radiation and chemotherapy. They're more appropriate for palliative care. Once they're too weak for more chemotherapy or radiation, a lot of times that's when they are transitioned to hospice care. And that's just purely focusing on their symptom management and quality of life rather than more cancer-directed care. Can you give me an example? What would be some of your mainstays with pain meds and then also the GI issue, the constipation? What kind of meds do you use for that? which is, you know, this is kind of a different animal than a lot that I would see. So how do you guys manage those kinds of things? Honestly, pain management is, might be similar to how you do. Sometimes it's scheduling Tylenol, short-acting opiates, and depending on their use, we might add a long-acting to provide better pain control. Constipation, usually Miralax and Senna is kind of our first go-to. For nausea, it really depends on the cause. 
with cancer associated nausea, you know, rather than the Zofran, the Compazine, sometimes we'll actually use Zyprexa, which is an antipsychotic that really helps with nausea, helps patients sleep at night, and helps with their mood a little bit. I did not know that could be used for nausea. That's good for me. Uh, yeah. I That's a, a good thing. So hopefully some folks out there heard that. Yeah, um, we always tell patients, hey, if you Google this, it's going to come up as an antipsychotic. That's not what we're using this for. We're using this to treat your nausea. Gotcha. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time and sharing with some of our listeners what it is you do and how you treat orthopedic patients with palliative medicine. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sam. Thank you for joining the OrthoPAC podcast. Please follow the Physician Assistance in Orthopedic Surgery on social media. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Please subscribe to our podcast. If this has been helpful, please take a moment to leave a review.